drink it in, man. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! 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 Drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, what's going on everybody, it's your host Eric Oakley right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, and we got so much to talk about, before we do that, drink it in everybody, drink it in, uh... side of cornbread, cornbread, make it a double, cornbread, everybody, this was a crazy game against the Seattle Seahawks, we had an amazing tailgate, with the people. And the people consist of the millions. Millions and millions of Kool-Aid drinkers. Ford Field going crazy. Big game against the ATL coming up and so much more to get into. So we got to do it with the one and only at Chops in the D on Twitter, on X. Chops, you were there live. We did it up big. We're still trying to recover. How you doing, buddy? Woo! Got to give it out to the people right away, buddy. Hey, it was a fantastic tailgate. We were there bright and early. We were cruising the lots. We were talking to the people. We were serving the Kool-Aid. We had a great, great pregame setup, man. It was it was a great game to be at. And uh, we'll dive into it a little bit later, but man, what a great atmosphere coming off that victory in Arrowhead and bringing it to Ford Field. Oh my goodness, Chops. It was crazy. I mean, the day started with me not sleeping for about 24 to 48 hours straight. Then I had to make a two plus hour drive to your house, yet... My car had an issue not starting at 2 in the morning. I had to get that going. I got down to your house about 5 some in the morning. We hit the road around a little after 6. We got down to the lot. We set up shop. There were Kool-Aid shirts. There were Kool-Aid drinks. There was Kool-Aid music. There was grub. There were people everywhere. And uh, as you said, man, we couldn't have had more fun. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about this tailgate, man, because... We found a great lot. I, I want to apologize to some of the loyal, diehard Kool-Aid drinkers out there. I was a chump. I was having so much fun that I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't on the Twitterverse. I missed some of your guys' where you're trying to hit me up on the Kool-Aid hotline. I just did not hold it down from that perspective. But the reason was because we were serving up Detroit Kool-Aid and cornbread to everybody laughing, having a great time. Chops, I know you got a few people you want to shout as well as just we'll tell some stories about what went down and and what happened before we headed over to uh, Ford Field there for the ball game. Yeah, Oakry. I mean, the morning started off a little slow uh, as far as like the uh, the people co- go, but like we because we were in the lot so early, you know, everybody was kind of bunched up in their own groups. Everybody had their music going. You know, we got the table set up, and lo and behold, a couple of people come by. And like Mike from Infinity Outfitters comes over, and he's like, "Hey, I know you guys. I think you guys have got some stuff off of eBay from me, and I've listened <laughs> to the pod." And we're like, "Yeah, what's up, buddy?" and so he gave he gave us some of his logos. He came back with a shirt that he uh, that had his stuff on it, and um, you know, of course, we had the championship belt with the Lions gear on. We had the Detroit Kool Aid <laughs> Cash shirts out. Um, we literally had a bin of Detroit Kool Aid that we were throwing out to the people. Uh, we had a perfect setup, you know. You being the tailgate guru that you are, we're like, oh, uh, chops, we got to set up here. If we put the truck right here, we're going to get the whole line. Everybody leaving the lot's going to walk by. Everybody getting in line for the porta pot's going to be in right here. 
And uh, you were spot on, buddy, because people were starting <laughs> to line up. People would make eye contact, and then we oh, immediately yeah. just like start riling them up and tossing oh, a yeah. Kool-Aid shoot. And it was just a it was just a great great setup, man. We had some Canadian Lions fans, a couple of good looking ladies that were from Canada, and Ooh, a couple sweet dudes. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Woo! Um, we had a, a great little uh, fan who there. She was probably like 13, 14 years old. She was a little shy at first, but she was wearing an Unleash Hutch jersey. And uh, we kept trying to get her to say it and kept trying to say it. And then finally, like right before they were getting ready to leave for the game, she came right up there and she's like, Unleash Hutch in her cute little voice. And it was like, it just made my day to see a kid just be ready to go. Uh, her mom and dad were super cool as well. So yeah, man, it was just a great, great setup, a great tailgate, a break great pregame we had some burgers we had some brats we had some breakfast sandwiches of course we had a couple of blue kool-aids with a little bit of something something in it it was just a great great day chops normally what i do i listen to you but like as you're talking there's so many rebuttals so many like things i need to clear up as you talk through some of these things so first of all when mike from affinity outfitter says i think i know you guys i think you bought some stuff he's talking to me <laughs> because i buy way too much on ebay i'm always surfing you don't creak up open that wallet for anything i mean i even had to hook you up with a jg 16 well what's that train again that you ride a lot Oh, the conductor of the hashtag golf trip. <laughs> Which we yelled at everyone who had a 16 on, as well as you mentioned the um, Canadians who were there to have fun. They would love the Kool-Aid. They were very enjoyable to talk to. I also yelled this at them and the young one that you mentioned and many, probably hundreds of other people throughout the day. And it was simply this. Unleash. <laughs> Anybody with a 97, we were giving that. You also mentioned that the title belt was out. The title belt wasn't just out. It was the, the WCW championship belt with Lions decals with Hulk Hogan there wearing a ski mask um, representing that Detroit Kool-Aid, which people love. Lots of photo ops for everybody involved. And yeah, man, we tried to do it up. We, we packed... A truckload and a half of stuff. We probably used 25% of what we brought. There's probably 10 to 15 other things we wish we would have done that we forgot, didn't do, didn't have time for. But man, everybody that came over, what's this with the pod? Hook me up with a Kool-Aid. I'll check out the show. I'm going to hit subscribe. Lions are going to the Super Bowl. Drink it in. I mean, and as you said... I know we had a little argument, we had a little back and forth. You never really know where we should go, where we should park, what we should do. But I thought at the end of the day, we had a captive audience. We had great people, lots of back and forth, lots of yelling, uh, excitement, lots of drinking in, lots of uh, people getting to know the Kool-Aid cast. And like you say, we're not shameless promoters, but we did have a ton of fun out there. Again, I... The people, JP, Bo DeFrisco, um, you know, all these other folks that are out and about that we couldn't, all the people at Eastern Market that we know that we don't even know how you go to Eastern Market, how you get to the game, what goes on there. So there's that. You mentioned the Canadians. You mentioned uh, they, they, there's a guy next to us. He was just doing work all day. Guys selling masks for 25 bucks. He, he put us on his IG live. Uh, gosh almighty. We just had, there's just so many things. I don't even know how much we can go through and just ramble but we wanted to give people a whole vibe of what it was like before the game i've never seen so much detroit kool-aid flowing i've never seen so much excitement such great lions fans again it's like twitterverse where people act like there's a lot of this hate and this and that we didn't run into one bad experience we had too much fun rolling from six seven in the morning all the way up till kick and uh, it was just incredible so thank you everybody yeah, and you know, and again, as you as you talk a little bit more, it actually pr- reminded me of a rant that I wanted to do. Uh, <laughs> I don't even think I. I th- it's like we talk about this every time we go to a game, man. Like people, don't be that guy that comes to the Lions freaking tailgate wearing a Tennessee Titans jersey when right. we're not even playing you. Like you know, I give a little bit of respect, maybe a little bit of respect to the people that are wearing the Atlanta Falcons gear. I mean, I may have given them a Kool-Aid pack or two, but like, don't be the dude that comes up in a Baltimore Ravens shirt. And is like, Oh, I love it. Like what the hell is your problem, bro? Don't wear the Jersey of a team that we're not even playing or the team of the tail- tailgate you're at. 
If you're going to do that, I'm going to come up to you and I'm going to harass you and I'm going to give you the clue aid and then I'm going to take it away because you don't know where the hell you're supposed to be. If we see you wearing a Dan Marino, we're going to give you a hard time. If we see you wearing Seattle gear in green and if you have the audacity to put a neon green ski cap on, we're going to let you know. We're going to tell you you need a little bit of that Detroit Kool-Aid in your life. It'll change your life. It'll help you. It'll make you feel better. It will open your eyes to the world. And uh, that's what we did, man. We didn't let one person slide that came by with other gear. And here's another side rant before we get into this ball game, Choppy. I've got notes, not as many notes and positive Kool-Aid notes as I did for the win in, in, in Arrowhead. But main topics we got to talk about about this game, things we saw, things we noticed, things the people want to hear about. But my side rant to your rant is Lions fans who spend thousands of dollars on tickets and gear and go to the game. Why are you still rocking a Joey Harrington? Why do you have a Kevin Smith on? Why do you have these old jerseys, Roy Williams? These people are were not good Hall of Fame NFL players. Take some of that dough that you spend on food or parking or whatever other, uh, you know, tchotchkes that you buy for the Lions and save up and get yourself a current jersey of a good player that you can wear with pride forever. I mean, if you're going to go with one of those cornball jerseys, just get a berry and call it good for the next 50 years. I mean, that just drives me nuts every time I go to a game. Come on, people. You don't love the Joey Harrington number three walking down the side lot? I had respect for a Corey Schlesinger. Obviously, we'll love a Chris Spielman. But no, do not come there with... <laughs> I don't even know these anymore. I mean, Kevin Jones, 34, is still out there? Are you are you serious? Like a Teddy Lehman, a Boss Bailey? Really? <laughs> Oh, ridiculous. come on. What about the good old 44 Javid Best? <laughs> Javid Best. And it's it's the Javid Best Carolina Blue version that you get from either overseas or, or the Fugazi Kmart. I mean, just get a one really nice jersey and that's all you need. But anyway, let, let, let's not go on for that. We love the Loyal Lions fans, the diehards. Everybody was rowdy. Chops. We unleashed Hutch. You like did woo wees and golf train this and choppy likey and we did their signs and uh, lots of yelling. Couldn't even talk before we got into the game, but we made our way over to Ford Field, got in. This place couldn't be more rowdy. About ten minutes before kick, before right before the entrances, we got in our seats, um, and it was go time, man. It was time to go against Seattle. I got my notes here. You want to get into this? I'll tee them up for you, and you give us a little bit of commentary what you thought. Yeah, let's do it, Oakry. I mean, uh, again, I think we had we probably had a little more fun outside than we did uh, once the game got going. But uh, um, yeah, let's uh, let's dive into the game here and uh, let's talk about some main planes that what went up, that went down. All right. So again, last week I had like all these little nuggets, right? Because I watched the tape, I wrote down almost everything good I saw. What I want to do this week is I kind of tried to lay off the pen a little bit and sort of. What things like made a difference in this ball game? We know you guys all watch the game, and some of you want these little nuggets of like a a second and eighteen where we're this random interior line that made a play. We're not gonna do that. What we're gonna do is the big moments, the big plays, and kind of give you our takes, thoughts, maybe what we would have done. So, Chops, the first thing I wrote down, and I think everybody's on board with this, like, the stadium was so crazy. This is the loudest I've ever heard Ford Field. The fans were so ready to go. It was very tough to see the Seattle Seahawks go on a seven, almost eight-minute drive, slowly, methodically, Geno Smith-like, down the football field to... um, to, to put up a touchdown on us. Like, it, it was just very frustrating on so many levels. But what I did love, I want you to comment on both the first drive, but then the Detroit Lions going right back down the field um, at their own pace, which was much quicker, much more exciting, and a dart throw by your quarterback, Jared Goff, to J. Ray, Josh Reynolds, touchdown Detroit Lions, uh, you know Dapper Dan Miller loved it. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! And we know you did too. Woo! 
Hashtag choppy liking. Yeah, I mean, what else? Get what is what else is there to say right there? You just nailed all my gimmicks. Um, <laughs> but no, let's dive into. Yeah, so of course the twelve play, seventy five yard, eight minute drive almost for the for them to come down. The funny thing is, like, it had zero impact on Ford Field. I mean, we the decibel level, right? You know, I think at one point was reaching up into the one twenty eights. I mean, it was crazy, crazy loud in there. Uh, I think the false start counter went up to three or four by the end of the game. Um, you know, so you think, you know, coming down here and and wasting about half of the first quarter on the first drive uh, would have quieted us down. But no, it actually amped us up even more. And uh, and obviously it lit a little fire under the lines, too, because, I mean, look, that first portion of the drive was all rookie drive, baby. It was D. Monty, uh, who uh, on one side, it was a little bit of Jameer Gibbs. It was a little bit of Sam Laporta. It was all hashtag golf train jg16 throwing dimes and then to cap it all off two big plays to my boy josh reynolds (laughs) tight crispy (laughs) dimes thrown by my boy jg16 uh to get us right back in at seven seven oh man no no doubt about it hey real quick for my next note i just want to shout out the tuna as as well he's been hitting me up and uh detroit kool-aid select member everybody that wants to uh, support the show get some bonus content uh, always appreciate and have you go to detroit kool-aid select i know tommy lyon hit me up i'm gonna get a few more people in here as we go but chops quarter two is where i had my next note 940 on the clock fourth and four on the seattle 31 we go for it I felt like this was a really good throw by Goff, uh, right where it needed to be. But it was just a better play by Spoon. Devin Witherspoon, Devon Witherspoon, however you want to say it. The guy the Lions seemed in love with in the draft process. Uh, my question to you is, I mean, you think here, kind of in the mid-second quarter, tight ball game, that we should have went for it at that point? Or you're at the 31, you know, I know our kicker's a little shaky, but that should be points. Do you just take the field goal and go up 10-7, or do you like the aggressiveness here? Oh, man, you know, for me, I I kind of like that Dan Campbell is aggressive. So, you know, I thought that was the right part of the field uh, to, to, to be aggressive. Now, again, De- Witherspoon made a, just a phenomenal play on this ball. I mean, JG couldn't have put it in any a better a place. Sam Laporta had already been made a couple made a couple of big catches. Uh in the game. So everything was just, it was just lined up perfect and it would have been a first down, but man, Devin Witherspoon just made an amazing play on it. So I have no fault to the lions on that one. And I agree with that call, uh, stay aggressive, go for it on fourth down. Um, I know people are like, Oh, take the points. You're at home. But uh, you know, to me, the, to me, I was just happy because we had just forced them to punt. Um, after, you know, we went touchdown, touchdown, punt, and now we were getting ready to drive down, and I thought a touchdown there would have really been huge for us to go up 14-7 that early. So I was okay with it. See, we could just go on for days, and this isn't like after the fact, but a fourth and four from that part of the field, I feel like that's a little too aggressive. not just easy to get four yards anytime you want. So I like Dan Campbell's aggressiveness in general, but sometimes he gets a little crazy with it where last year when he started taking points more often, we won more games than early on in the year where he was just going crazy every time. Fourth and six, he was just going for it when he could put up a field goal. So I wasn't a big fan of this call by the coach, but obviously I do support Dan Freaky Campbell. All right, we got to go through these a little bit more rapid fire, man. Quarter two, 455. I got a first and 10 from the Seattle 36. A perfect executed flea flicker. Um, this is just straight up teach tape, man. The way that... Uh, we just suckered them in on this play. Witherspoon, the guy that made the play on the last one we talked about, he totally gets caught up just walking around looking at the backfield, then realizes he's roasted, toasted, and extra crispy. Goff, beautiful ball up over the top, but hell, he's wide open. I probably could have made this throw too. Drops it in the bucket. Deep tug, 14-7 Lions to Raymond Khalif, a.k.a. Khalif Raymond. Big time touchdown. Loved it. Uh, uh, Ben Genius pulled out the bag of tricks early uh, to give us a nice Johnson, lead there. I love you. That's how oh, I love you too, Ben Johnson. That's 
Uh, yeah, dude, just a great, just a great time to make that call too on a first and 10, uh, you know, to take a shot. So we had just picked up a nice first down on, or picked up a, a good third down, third and five. And um, I think that actually had happened on a um, pass interference call. So Ben Johnson went right back and, um, you know, just a great throw, uh, a great catch and, and a great way to uh, take the lead there before the half. Jobs first play of the second half. We did what we randomly do, which is actually get up at halftime and then get kind of just stuck in the sea of people. I made the awesome move of cutting through the upper bowl top row where you can just walk clean. Got back to my seat just in time to see Demo put the ball on the flow, fumble to first freaking play of the second half. Um, our boy Sammy the Porter just gets absolutely blown up on this play. But to me, number five, he's still got to hold on to this ball. You cannot put it on the ground there to start the second half. That really deflated. Tough play for the Lions. Yeah, that was rough to, uh, you know, we deferred the opening kickoff, you know, getting it back first in the second half. And, uh, and, and you know, with a chance to go down the field and go up two touchdowns, really, which is kind of what I thought we would do. Um, I thought at some point we would go up two touchdowns in this game and then never look back. But uh, it was a complete reversal, right? The fumble, I think we fumbled and within 40 seconds, they had a touchdown. Two plays, 23 yards, 38 seconds, tie ball game. Um, in fact, some, most people hadn't even made it back into the bowl from the half with doing whatever, getting beers, getting food, hitting the John, whatever they were doing. And, uh, they come back and they're like, what? 14, 14, what happened? Um, you know, so that was very deflating. Demo's got to catch that or got to keep that ball, uh, in his hands. That was, that was a rough one, but, um, you know, turnovers are going to happen, but when they happen that deep in your zone, it just kills you. Also want to shout out the one and only, Bad Santa, or what, what's he called? Is it Bad Santa here on the show? What, what, what's the nickname there? You remember? Oh my gosh, it's not Bad Santa. It's, it's not. Uh, young. It's, He's yeah, young, Santa. young Santa. He's young Santa. He's young remember Santa, it? but he looks old like Santa, but he shouts out our show, hits me up on a Kool-Aid hotline, and he's in some of my fantasy leagues talking noise now. So shout out to young Santa with an old beard and Mrs. Claus and Kool-Aid and cookies. Mrs. And Claus, that's right. Whatever else he's got going on there. And the we got a shout out, even though we didn't get to see her. We were supposed to meet up. Um, it was just knew it was going to be crazy both before, after, and during the game. The great Natalie Sparbeck and friends were out and about whooping up the line. She's like a reporter now. Every like little message I see on Twitter verse from her is like reporting news. I feels like. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. I was bummed that we couldn't meet up with her. And the other one that was out and about at Easter Market, we didn't get to see was uh, Go Blue Lex- Lexi. So yes. that was kind of a bummer too. Go Blue Lexi did Michigan game, Lions game, straight to 50 Cent concert, and I guess like Eminem showed up as well. So that's quite a day and a half there for for her. But um, wish the Lions could have got this one. But let's keep this rolling, the the Oakery plays of the game. Uh, I have here quarter three, 13-03, first and 10. Um, you know, this was a TD screen ball to Demo. Gets called back on some bogus pass interference, which the uh, jabrones on on the on the network call and the NFL slackies all said was a bad call. Um, you know, s- still doesn't matter because we we just come back and we get a Demo running touchdown after that. But how, how about the how about the call on this one? The fourth down, go for it again. Um, I believe was on this. Uh, set of plays after the penalty. Incredible, nice little inside trick handoff to Amonra um, to move the sticks, and then we just pounded it on them. So NFL tried to take it away from us. We went back and got it. Yeah, it was good. Good resilience there. Um, you know, to to not let it not let us get us down. Just get right back to work. Uh, shake off the officials and. Um, yeah, you know, I a lot of people. I guess this bring you know this is probably the right time to do it. A lot of people are complaining about the officiating, um, but uh, you know, officiating is going to be bad every game. There's going to be a miscall call here. There's going to be a miscall call there. I'm not excusing it by any means because I am still a very big advocate of there actually being a, a referee accountability. Um, I think these guys should get graded after every game, and I think if your grade sucks enough times, you need to be given the boot. Um, or you know, but. But in this case, I really cannot defend the the Lions cost us the game people because, um, 
you know, I actually think Seattle got way more calls than we did. Um, but it doesn't necessarily matter when the calls happen. It's what or how many happen. It's when and where they happen. But uh, but we just battled through that one. So it was good to see the Lions uh, get through some adversity and battle through. Chops, you mentioned the refs. I'll just mention them quickly, too. They were uh, simply this. That's terrible. Yeah, exactly. Um, hey, Chops, we're going we're, we're gonna, to like move around our ads and, and do some different things because we're going long here on this first segment, but we still got lots to talk about about this ball game, so we'll, we'll figure it out for everybody, but this will be a longer first segment, and then after the breaks and whatnot, we'll talk about uh, this Atlanta game. Chops has some hot takes on a couple things, but Chops, we've got to talk about more of these plays, man, because this is what the people want to hear about. Like, how, how about this one? Quarter three, fourth and one. 7.05 on the clock, Seattle on their own 42, they go for it. You go back and watch this on tape, Aiden Hutchinson has this play dead to rights. I don't know what he's doing. He's unblocked on his end of the line. It's a run play up the middle, and he like chops his feet, stands there, looks at the running back, and then doesn't attack until he gets going forward and... and it gets about two and a half yards for the first down. Like I watched this one multiple times and this just feels like a play where Hutch would normally just see it and go and attack and stop them. And we'd have the football. And for whatever reason, he just didn't. I know sometimes you got to hold edges and whatnot, but on fourth and one, he was cut loose and did not make this play. It was tough to watch. Yeah, that was a rough one. That was a chance for us to get the ball and to stop a field goal. Um, you know, giving, you know, three points that they were able to, to nab from us. But, uh, I, you know, man, um, Hutch is getting where he needs to go, but he's, he's like, he's getting to like there, he's getting 90% of where he needs to go. And it's happened both games. Now the guy's like leading the league in QB pressures, but he's just not getting all the way to the quarterback. And, um, I don't know if that's just because they can focus on him. Um, if they, you know, if something is just missing, but, uh, but this D line has got it. They've got to get some, they got to start getting some sacks. I mean, one sack in two games. And that came from Anzalone on a play where Geno Smith decided to go all Geno Smith and run around like a madman and, uh, almost get himself a safety and Anzalone came in. But other than that, like the D line is not getting the penetration that I expected them to get. Um, you know, Hutch is, he's, he's there. He's the, he's the guy. Um, but I think he just needs a little bit of help, uh, some pressure from another source so that they can't just keep doubling up on him. Did you get that message, Hutch? Unleash Hutch. I'm ready to unleash Hutch. Unleash Hutch. I agree, man. He keeps getting close, still doing some good things, but not on this play and lots of almost and maybes, but uh, those don't count for anything in a ball game like this. All right, everybody, this goes out to my fantasy football fans out there. Now, you probably heard about Reality Sports Online, the most powerful fantasy sports platform where owners can build and manage their fantasy team like a real NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? I mean, we're talking free agency, multi-year contracts, rookie drafts, multi-team trades. You could put franchise tags on guys. Uh, it's as close as you're going to get to being an NFL GM. But do you think it sounds complicated? It's not. I'm here to tell you it's the best thing about Reality Sports Online is it's just more fun than your normal fantasy league, but it doesn't take barely any more time. After all this, are you still not sure? I mean, come on now. You can test your general manager skills by going over to Reality Sports Online, call it RSO. Please go check out realitysportsonline.com right now. Gosh, Chops, like one thing I just want to say why we're going long and why I have these notes is because we're at the game and it was crazy. It was frustrating. It was up. It was down. But when I went back and watched this game, I mean, it was a fun ball game. Lots of plays, back and forth, uh, scores, comebacks, um, lots of crucial little plays. So right here I have, um, you know, kind of after we missed that fourth, 3.33 on the clock, uh, me and you argued about this live. I, I know you don't like to admit when you're wrong, but I went and I go back and watch it on tape. 
This was a pick six for Kerbo. It was a clean blitz by my boy, Brian Branch, got to the quarterback clean. Gino got ruffled through it just blindly. Kerbo has both hands on this football, and you said he was out of bounds. I watched it multiple times. He would have picked it and easily got going up the sideline for a touchdown. He was nowhere near the sideline, um, but he didn't catch it. I mean, he did not catch it. He would have been gone. Um and instead, this led to a field goal um, for them. When it's all said and done, I still have it uh, 21-17 here for the Lions. Yeah, on that play, I said what I said, and I meant what I said. And you can go back and forth and say that he could have he could have magically wrong. picked that and ran it up the field for a touchdown. But I'm telling you that the momentum that he was going, he has his hands on the ball, oh but he is going gosh, to catch that guy. ball. And be all his momentum is taking him out of bounds unless somehow he is freezing time and putting his legs back in front of his own body so he can catch his momentum Chops. and actually go. Let, let me just stop you. You did not see it again then because it's obvious. We don't need to spend any time on this. He's not running himself out of bounds. He just did not catch the football. He's, he's about two and a half, three, four yards away from even the, anywhere near the hash of the sideline. I mean, it's not even debatable at this point. Can we Can we keep it rolling? Just say yeah, you're wrong you and we'll keep ro- going. Can, no, you can admit you're wrong and we'll keep it rolling. You brought it up. You, so you, you want to argue about it and expect you, me to not you argue? You didn't watch it, obviously, because I went back and watched it. I would have said, Chops, you were right. He would have flew out of bounds. Chops, you were wrong. He wouldn't have flown out of bounds. He would have caught it and went to the house like I told you live and what he should have done. Could have changed the ball game. Should have caught the ball. So okay, exactly. Sure, I'm not admitting I'm wrong. I'm not going to admit that I'm wrong, but you can think you're right. It's terrible. I don't know what you're watching. All right, quarter three, 27 seconds left. Fourth and two. Uh, You know, I I just don't get this. Like we go for it again, kind of at the middle of the football field. We run like a P.A., but I think it was Gibbs that got blown up on the play. Jared Goff running for his life. Throws a good ball to Ray J. But the defender trips Josh Reynolds, and these stooges from the NFL have the audacity to say, legs tangled. (laughs) There were no legs tangled. The only legs tangled was the defender's legs, which then tripped himself. And then when he knew he was tripped and they were about to catch it and maybe house it, or at least get this first down on fourth and two, mind you, he grabs his leg and trips him and there's no call. This was an abomination of a missed call by these zebras. Inexcusable. Yeah. Bad call. Bad, bad, bad call. He, uh, he was clearly interfered with. I mean, he doesn't, the guy's a professional. He doesn't just trip over his own damn feet when he's in the clear ready to go he's ready to snap now that one he was ready to take to the house i think he's on the 45 at that point he makes that catch he's got one man to beat and he's in the end zone so um that was a terrible call i don't know i think he might have been heading out of bounds from inside the hashes or the numbers anyway uh like uh here's one i'll give to seattle what a bogus intentional grounding too by these referees like nobody was blitzing the quarterback he wasn't rushed Geno Smith just throws it, uh, obviously, to the back pylon. His his receiver runs an out route, and they call it intentional grounding just because the guy ran a wrong route? Like, what are, what are these refs doing? Do they have they ever read a rule book? Do they know what they're watching? Like, this is just, I mean, that was one for the bad guys, but it was just such a horrible decision call and, and, and just a joke. These part-time lawyers that they got out there with striped shirts is just ridiculous. Um, I'm going to keep it rolling here on a couple. A, a TD on Jury Jacobs. You guys know how that's spelled. J-U-U-U-R-R-Y-Y-Y. Jury Jacobs was getting roasted, toasted, and extra crispy all day. But the reason was because you manned him up on DK Metcalf with no help, and you told him to play 10 yards off. A horrible combination on so many levels. But here, he just tries to... I don't know what he's doing. He just sort of thinks he's going to run with uh, Lockett across the football field. And, of course, Lockett beats him. Perfect throw. Um, 24-21 Seattle at that point. Like, you got to help this guy or we got to get Manuel Mosley out there because it just was not good for number 23. Chops, here's one for you. Quarter four, 807, pick six by your quarterback. I watched it multiple times. This was not a bad route by Jameer Gibbs. This was not some miscommunication. Jared Goff was not hit before he threw. He was rushed a bit. 
but as well as he played, his numbers weren't eye-popping, but he did play well. But you can't just erase a bad throw pick six when this ball's behind him when Jameer Gibbs is wide open. It was it was a tough play to watch. I mean, there's so much for me to dispute with you on that. I I mean, we could I could spend no, the next 15 minutes can't. telling you why that's such a terrible take. Uh, oh, yes, God. you should not have thrown a pick six. I will agree <laughs> with that portion of it. It's a bad time. Oh. You need you're driving. You need to turn it around. It's not a good time. I mean, the guy only went how many, you know, 400 completions between interceptions. It was a bad time. The guy still had a QB rating of 112 for the game. He had a phenomenal game other than this bad mistake that cost us and hurt us bad. Uh, So I will concede that. Yes, this is a terrible time at the beginning of the fourth quarter when you're only down by three to throw a pick six that deep in your territory. So not good. Okay, well, at least you got around to it because there's really no, like, I mean, it wasn't a hard throw. It was behind him right to the defender. He got hit after the play. I mean, these are throws that he makes and other quarterbacks make or at least put it in front of him on the ground or something. It's just... I, it yeah, just I guess like, Dan Campbell has no idea what he's talking about when he says that Jameer Gibbs ran the wrong route, but that's fine. You're smarter than Dan Campbell, Okreed. You are. So uh, you wouldn't have gone for it on fourth down. You say the coach is wrong and that Jameer didn't run the right route. So you, whatever you say, buddy, you're right. You're smarter I mean, than Dan Campbell. I was well clear as day, but, but, but your boy that, that is driving this, this train you talk about... He, he also said that oh, it was a good route, a bad throw by me, and and that's exactly what the tape showed when I watched it. And this is this isn't one. This isn't like another throw we'll get to that we could just write off and be like, oh, you know, it happens. Uh, that's seven points the other way, making it thirty-one to twenty-one. I mean, uh, it's big time play. So I heard a lot of people on the radio calling the old ninety-seven the one ticket, being like, oh, he played great, but let's just forget about the pick six. Let's not forget about it because it was bad, and I don't care if it's the first one in four hundred. It was very pivotal in this ball game. Um, I do have though quarter four, seven minutes left, third and thirteen. Oh my goodness, Sam Laporta. He like snatched this ball like from the defender with one hand, pinned it to his hands, then turned up the football field to move the sticks on third and 13. I feel like when you go back and watch this one, if this play's not made, this ball game's over at that point. But the fact that he not like caught it, but then made a first down run was absolutely awesome by the rookie. That was, that was great stuff. Yeah, great hands. And again, I'll just say it again and again and again and again. TJ who? <laughs> TJ who? That's right. We got Sam Laporta, people. Uh, this kid is going to be a star. He's already getting, He's already a star, uh, and he's here to stay. So uh, great, great play. I mean, again, TJ Hawkinson would have caught that ball and crumbled like a bag of chips onto the ground immediately. You know he would have. Oh, yeah. And what does Sam Laporta do? Sam Laporta reaches out, extends out, grabs the ball, secures it, and battles his way to get the first down on a third and 12. TJ would have meant it would have been fourth and six if that was TJ Hawkinson. And but no, it's Sam freaking Laporta, and he got this 12 yards we needed. Okay, two quick side notes. We already have a freaking on this show, and it's Dan freaking Campbell. We can't have two freakings. And also, uh Sam Laporta chaps makes about a million, two million bucks, whatever it is, over the next five years on average, uh, per year. TJ Hawkinson makes like 17 million per i think it is now so yes uh, we all obviously love that trade-off and the player and all that's involved people we might have to just go basically ad free because i still got more things i've let chops get away with a few bogus takes just because it's his quarterback um but this was a crazy ball game i have in the fourth quarter here i absolutely love this play by jared goff um you know second and goal he stands in the pocket of course because he got great uh protection on this play but he looks at one two Two, three, none of those are open. Comes all the way to the backside to four. Hits Josh Reynolds, who's wide open for a big time touchdown. 28 31. Lions on the comeback down three. Ford Field was going crazy. I do love how this team rallied after the pick six, as well as making a few plays down the football field with Sam Laporta, Gibbs, and others to uh, put this touchdown and give themselves a chance. That was awesome. Yeah, great, great response. Down 10. 
Uh, not a lot of time left, and they just drive the field. They do what they got to do. In five minutes, they get down. I don't like the clock management necessarily. There was no sense of urgency. Um, so I, I do have – I'm going to take – I take issue with this. Um, I feel like that could have happened, and it could have happened in at least another extra minute or two, um, giving us more time at the end of the game. But, uh, but yeah, when it had to be done, my boy stepped up to the plate, made the throws, and uh, the offensive line kept in clean. They opened up holes for Craig Reynolds and Jameer Gibbs uh, because at that point, my boy D money was out and uh, <laughs> we went down and scored a touchdown. So just what we needed to do. And then I like the next drive too. You're going to get into it. But uh, in fact, I might just snatch the mic right from you because no, no. here it is. No, no. Here it is. Nope. 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 No, I got I got one. Okay. I got to play. I, I, I do. I do want to quickly just say, I, I agree with you. There's a little bit of sluggishness, but they did need that touchdown. Regardless, we can obviously pick up this final drive when they get the football back before that. Again, if you guys have NFL plus, or if you have this recorded, you need to go back and watch some of these plays, especially if you were there in person, because it was just some craziness once I saw it on film, but this play chops, I watched it a handful of times, fourth quarter, two eleven, third and 18 for the Seahawks. I don't know if I need to give Charles Harris, like, uh, what is the word I hate on this show? Kudos um, or hate on him because this is like an NFL film's folly play or the greatest hustle play of all time. He literally misses slash almost gets Geno to the ground. I have here at least three to five times on this play. He he misses him. He falls down. He gets back up. He misses him. He falls, gets back up, runs down, runs all the way back when he's back to the two. And then here comes Fabio out of nowhere to absolutely annihilate Geno Smith on the three yard line. They go from third and 18 on whatever it was, like 10, 20 yard line type back to the three. They're now punting from the three, up three, Lions getting the football back with, gosh, they got the ball back at the 50 with a minute 44 and basically two or all three other timeouts. I can't remember. I mean, I know you're going to rip the mic, but I'm just going to go rapid fire. It was like 11-yard throw to Jay Ray, a 13-yard run to Khalif. I mean, those are the first two plays, so it's about like a buck 20 left, and we're at the 30. Then they went in slow-mo mode, no urgency, just putzing around. Um, I know you're going to take issue because it's your quarterback and say, oh, he did this, he did that, look at how great he played. I had to check it again multiple times. 20 seconds left, third, or uh, this was a second down play. AR, SB, wide freaking open on an easy slant ball for a first down, then call timeout, and then start getting aggressive. Just dirts the ball. I mean, just uh, again, I know you can't make a perfect throw every time, but this was a, such an easy ball that he misses in the most crucial moment. And then he throws a little nothing ball to Gibbs on the next play, nowhere close to the sticks, which then forces us to go for a field goal. Like, of course, we want him to be more aggressive on the other plays around that or before that. But those last two plays right there are the ones that cost them where they couldn't go for it. They couldn't be aggressive. They just had to kick a field goal. Like, very frustrating to watch when it went back. I mean, got to make those plays, both of them. If you make the yeah. Amon Ra play, there's, you don't even have to deal with the Gid short throw. But what are you doing throwing it four yards short in the middle of a nasty defense with the game on the line? Makes no sense. Everything about that drive makes no sense to me whatsoever. I don't, I don't understand any of the mindset. Um, there's a minute 44 left. Again, if you had had urgency in the last drive, you're talking about probably two, two forty-four, maybe even three fifteen left. Um, and they just like lollygag around. Like, I mean, they ran off 33 seconds between the, the, the third, the second and the third play of the drive. I'm like, what the hell are we doing? Let's go. Like, this is the guy who goes for it on fourth down three times previously. And we're dinking and dunking around. Like, I don't understand this play. This this drive frustrated the crap out of me. Like, in two plays, we go down the field. And then it's like, well, okay, let's lollygag. Okay, I don't understand it. Go for the win. Don't screw around. I'm not saying to make dangerous throws. I'm not saying to make be reckless down the field. But what are we doing here? Like, you're the guy who goes for it on fourth down, Dan Campbell, every freaking time. Why are we settling for a field goal to tie this game? Go for the W. Let JG16 throw it down 
the field. Let him spread it out with Khalif Raymond, Raymond Khalif or, or Josh Reynolds or, or, I don't God forbid, Amon Ra or Amon Ra. <laughs> but do something. Don't just dink around and settle for a field goal. Exactly. Like, they took no shots. And, like, the most ridiculous part is you're at the 30, so, like, you take shots and they don't work. You have the field goal already in your pocket. These aren't, like, taking shots, then costing you a field goal in the ball game. Like, it makes no sense. And then Dan freaking Campbell comes out there and starts talking about, oh, I was, I was treating it like it was halftime, and I had this all yeah. set in my mind in advance. And you're like, sometimes he gets these. I feel like he's a guy that makes up how the game's going to go beforehand. And then if it goes that way and all is well, but if it doesn't, he sometimes has these predeceived notions of what he's going to do and how he's going to do it and, and uh, you know, how the game should be played when it's really like, no, right there, it's, it's not like a halftime. It's it's a do or die and you have a tie in your back pocket is what it was. So anyway, the only notes I have about overtime is a third and six to DK Metcalf where he just absolutely annihilates Jerry Jacobs again with like a double okie doke and, and gets a first down. Why is he singled up again? I have no idea. And then third and two, you know, obvious hold on Hutchinson, which like you're like, oh, they could call that. It, you know, they couldn't. The ref's looking right at it. That's a 10-yard penalty. It would make it third and 12 from like what their 15 type yard line I'm pretty sure they're not going to score a touchdown on us on that play they kick a field goal we get the football we'd probably go right down on their Rudy Pucani as a score but no referee just decides oh, I'll just keep my flag in my pocket for the first time in his life and then you know it just a little out route touchdown get the pylon ball game it was just a very frustrating ending to what was a great day, incredible forward field, and I know we, we we meant to just rumble through those, but I got all riled up because I wanted that ball game and didn't play great, but still could have had that ball game, and instead just kind of let it get away in the end and didn't seem to want it, and it's not the end of the world, but more frustrating when I watched it on tape and to talk about it right now, so tough one for the yeah. Lions. It's hard when you're there, Okri, like you mentioned, you know, you're there, you're in the high of the moment, you're in the high of the crowd, it's crazy, it's loud, um, but you're right, when you go back and look at the at the game, it was a crazy back and forth game, I mean, you know, again, you're down 10 with not a lot of time left, and we stormed back, and then it was like, after all the storming, you know, we decided to like, you know, jump out of the squalls and then take the tie, which I don't understand at all. And then, um, you know, again, they just put on a clinic in overtime, right? Gino and, and gang just went right down the field. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what Jerry Jacobs is doing. I don't know why we're, we're singling him up on DK Metcalf or TJ Lott or anybody, to be honest. But, um, you know, I don't know. It was a clinic. It was, a you know, every just a little pickups here and there, right? Which was frustrating and annoying, but... Um, you know, the defense had just made that big stop when we needed to at the end of the uh, regulation uh, to give us a chance to come down and win it. But we decided to tie it. And uh, and then they just got absolutely roasted in overtime. Uh, we sat there in just like disarray. And again, the crowd was still in it all the way. Even even after being deflated of going for the tie, uh, we were in it all the way. The cr- crowd was crazy, loud noise. We're all screaming. And, um, you know, they only faced, I think, one third down. Uh, no, I'm, yeah, only, there's only one third down in the entire overtime. And, um, you know, Gino just took us to pound town, unfortunately. So, um, but Hey, listen, this is the other thing though. I want to, you know, I want to end the game recap on this. It's one game people. Okay. Like we lost one game. We didn't lose like 12 in a row or something. It's one game. We're one in one. And yeah, we're disappointed that we lost, but like, dude, people running around there, like burning their ski masks. They're like, chanting same old lines are you kidding me right now these are still the brand new lions people it's one game did you think we were going to go 17 and 0 okay and by the way all the people that like to go through and pick all their make all their predictions and take all their games almost every single one of you had us at one and one at the end of two games well guess what people we're still one and one we just lost the game that you thought we were going to win and we won the game you thought we were going to lose so it's still the brand new Lions. We're still serving the Kool-Aid. Keep drinking it. Stop fighting it. If I hear one more damn fan say same old Lions again, I'm going to lose my crap. <laughs> oh, good stuff by you, Chappie. I, I was just going to tell you that you uh, 
either I was going to do that rant or you were, but um, like I said, we're, we're breaking the normal format of the show. We'll probably still fit our sponsors in here somewhere, but uh, that's exactly what I was going to say is like, it's week two. I know the NFL is overreaction league and it's ups, it's downs. It's, oh, we're the best team ever. We're the worst team ever. I can't believe that happened. Oh, I can't believe that happened. Uh, how great. Um, that's kind of how it goes. So we, we were frustrated. I mean, it was dead silent out of Ford Field because of how that thing ended, how hype everybody was with the comeback and to start that football game. But to me, this is... This is what happens. I mean, the big thing will be how do you rebound? And then um, another thing I know you wanted to talk about before we do this quick Atlanta preview is, um, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people are, are using that old crutch again uh, and that old, oh, woe is me about, oh, you know, we, we've got so many injuries. I mean, how are we going to? How are we going to survive like like nobody else in the NFL has quarterbacks out, top skill players, big defenders, like we're the only one. Like, yes, we have had an, an unfortunate rash of injuries early in the season again. But as I put on Twitter, you can find me at Derek Oakry. I was like, until the Lions and this one pride fan base figures out that you can be upset, you could be frustrated about it, but it's not going to change. You need to just uh, realize that you have to overcome just like every other team. That's why we try to build depth. That's why you try to draft good players. That's why you try to focus on premier positions and get players there that can ball. And you fight your way through. You show your grit, next man up, all grit, all fight, all hustle, all that good stuff. And you find a way to win. So I think that's what they got to do right now. And like you say, I'm excited for this next ball game. We had a blast, but I'm going to be glad to be home watching it, uh, getting a good view of this game against Atlanta. And I'm not really discouraged. I'm just excited to see how the Lions are going to bounce back and hope that all the diehard Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers and even the SOL and the bandwagon people just put this one behind us and say, let's let's win this next ball game and let's go to Green Bay. And then uh, that's all we're really thinking about right now is that short view rather than making these big proclamations about uh, what we should have done in the draft or why we missed on this or or why this is going to impact the season or, what, oh, well, poor us, this guy's gone for the whole year. It's the NFL, man, it happens. So I'm still good. I'm still hyped for my team and, and let's go. So you got any other topics, Choppy? I know you had a couple other things you might be wanting to get into or do you want to just jump into this Atlanta preview and then we'll uh, – uh, get up out of here, serve up some more Kool-Aid for the people. Yeah. I think the last thing I want to say too, is, uh, you know, and I, and I said this to you, uh, on the way, I think we were driving on the way down to the game. I said, I said, look, okay. I said, the only thing that's going to be able to stop this team after that win in Arrowhead is injuries. And unfortunately we got a couple, but like you said, guys, it's the NFL. People get hurt every game, every practice. So we just got to be, we got to have depth and we got to be mess, best man up. Oh, and by the way, people, newsflash, Brad Holmes has $18 million in cap space that he can still <laughs> use to pick up a player or two if he needs to. Why do you think he may have had some of that in his back pocket? We've got a couple of guys coming back from injury. If we have something again, more catastrophic, he's got money to spend. So, you know, do the injuries bother me? Yes. Would I love to have all these guys playing? Yes. Am I burning my season tickets and throwing my golf jersey away? No. Let's go. On to Atlanta. Kick some ass. Go two and one. Exactly. Appreciate that, brother. Good stuff from you. Um, Yeah, we've been kind of all over the place here on the show. I, I guess, like, you know, with Atlanta coming to town, again, it's another home game for the Lions. Uh, I have no idea how the Atlanta Falcons are 2-0. and oh. um, I realize that they have some fun quote-unquote skill players I mean we all know Bijan is a beast he's played really well for a couple games but he's still a rookie uh, me and you talked about the fact that I've always loved Kyle Pitts I wanted the Lions to possibly get Kyle Pitts I've watched Kyle Pitts for a couple years now or I haven't watched him because he's rarely out there when he is out there he rarely gets the football so he's a fun name and a good player and the Lions always struggle against any tight ends Will Disley or, or Kelsey or anybody to be honest but I think Kyle Pitts has shown himself maybe to not be a very good NFL player or to be uh, maybe not as advertised, um, but we'll see. And they have Drake London. They have other receivers. They have this. They have that. But I, I don't think this is a very good football team across the board. I mean, their, their defense, their overall, I mean, they have a unique offensive scheme, I guess I would say, um, with their head coach and the way they do things. But this is not a team where I'm going to go, oh, we're going to put a 40-burger on them before the season two. Oh, they're 2-0. and This is a coin flip. We're, we're in trouble. We're, we're the underdogs. 
No, this is still a home game. This is still an inferior opponent that is riding high that you should be able to knock them off their pedestal, kind of like Seattle just did to you. Um, so that's kind of the general sense I have heading into this ball game. Yeah, okay, a couple of things there. Um, you know, we're still we're still a favorite. I think we're favored by three and a half. Um, you know, to me, this game is going to come down to our defense, right? Are we going to be able to step up? Um, in a storyline that is not, I have not seen one one uh, take on. I have not heard one person bring this up yet. But I, the thing that's honestly like super interesting to me: Bijan Robinson versus Jameer Gibbs, the top two running backs picked <laughs> in this last draft, going toe to toe, baby. Totally different style runners. Uh, D, you know, with D Monty out, this is going to be starter versus starter pick one versus pick two. Uh, when it comes to running backs, this is going to be an awesome game. Again, we've got him at quarterback. I think we've got him at running back. I know we've got him at wide receiver and I think our defense is better than them. Tight end. Uh, you know, I got him there too. So let's, you know, O-line check for the lions. This should not be a game that we lose. Um, let's bounce back. I think we're going to do so. I think that they're going to come out and they're going to ball for the people at Ford field. If we come back and show out for them again, because you know, the players were disappointed that they lost in front of their fans. Almost every single interview came out. We want to win one for the fans. You guys came up De Detroit versus everybody. We got grit, you know, one pride going on and on and on. They want to win at home for their team or for their fans. And they're going to do it this week, boys and girls, they are going to do it. And they're going to do it by at least seven points. So a couple quick things on that. First, I need to give you a quiz choppy. And for all the people out there, we need to get this right. We'll get it right here on the pod. Eventually chops. We need to describe Jameer Gibbs the way like Brad Holmes does. Do you recall how I've been coaching you up on what he really is? Because we know Bijan Robinson is a running back. But what is Jameer Gibbs? Well, first of all, I'm not going to fall into your trap about what you have been telling me Jameer Gibbs is. Because the very first person to say <laughs> what Jameer Gibbs was, was me. And that's he's not a running back. He's not a wide receiver. He's a weapon. And you can add whatever adjectives you want to it. But the but chops you... is the one. Hashtag what Choppy said. I called him weapon first. So you don't get to steal my gimmick, just like you stole my my boy Brian Branch gimmick. You're not taking my boy Gibbs either. He's oh. a weapon. Oh, people, this show has been off the rails. Chops getting butthurt about one little criti two critiques about his quarterback. Now he's claiming gimmick infringement. Chops, you gimmick infringed. Always open for business. Brad Holmes, who told you when both of us weren't very happy with him taking Jameer Gibbs, he said, don't worry. He's a positionless, multidimensional, elite weapon. <laughs> That's how you got to get it right. You got to get all the adjectives, not just weapon. It's more than that. Just ask Brad Holmes. But I think it's actually going to be kind of a blessing in disguise. I kind of love how Demo not DeMonte, as you refer to him, has been rolling. But I think not only do we cut the kid loose, I want to tell people, again, I know we're going long. I know, but there's stuff that needs to be said. All of you people out there, chops included, who hit me up or wants to say, well, um, you know, we maybe should have got Jalen Carter. He's a really good person. And I, th I knew it all along that he was going to be this dominant, you know, that's all I hear now. If you want to go back and check the stats, Alvin Kamara, all these good running backs, they don't come out of the shoot and are just incredible. And then the ones that do come out incredible, doesn't mean they're going to be incredible their whole life. So I still love everything I've seen from Jameer Gibbs, from his size, his speed, his elusiveness, his breaking tackles ability. Like, I have no concerns. I just need to get him the ball more, be a little more creative, and find some space for him to use his talent. So uh, there's no way I'm debating this draft pick. I know you threw that out there as well. It's like, it's week two. Are we really doing this, people? Are we really like looking at our picks and looking at our team going, I really think we need to rethink everything. It's week two. Like you got to let this stuff play out. We'll know by about week six, week eight, what really football team we have and how this is shaping up right now. It's too early to say. 
I have no retort because we don't have enough time on this pod. We will go an hour and 45 minutes. And and like earlier, you you know, you're wrong. I cannot believe you didn't admit you were wrong earlier. I can't believe you're not going to tell the people that you didn't hit me up with that bogus text about Jalen Carter and questioning Jameer Gibbs. Like just admit some of these faults and we can move forward. It's not hard. I come on the thing all the time. I was wrong. I made a mistake. Look at that. It's better. I will read verbatim the text message that I sent for you. Are you ready to listen to this, people? Oh, I can't, I can't wait for this. An argument over this. Ready? Quote, this is no knock on Jameer Gibbs at all. Our pass rush has been awful. Carter, Campbell, Laporta, <laughs> and Branch would have been a hell of a haul. And then you're like, oh, my God, come on. Don't be that guy. You hate Brad Holmes. You think Carter is better. Uh, the, no, no, no. I didn't say any of that. I said... I'm wondering what it would be like if we did this. I did not say we should have done it. I didn't say this was a bad pick. I didn't say I'm smarter than Brad Holmes. Again, you want to twist things and create this narrative to make you look smarter and me look dumber, and that's fine. You want to do it for to entertain the people, great. But you've crossed the threshold for one pod, brother. So, so I just want to, like, I just want to check uh, brother, that that me twisting things was you reading your part of the text verbatim and then going bula bula on my retort. The, the, the reality is that for you even to question, for you even to think, for, for all the work we did of looking at Jalen Carter and all his faults and missteps, for people to act like those are all gone because he has a few pressures and maybe a sack or two already, big freaking deal. Like, I could care less, man. It comes down to the people, the love for football, they know Gibbs can make plays and put the ball in the paint. So I'm just not playing that game on any type of level. And, uh, yeah. yeah so and that's, I, and you, and that's well documented. Go back and listen to the pod. Me and Logan would have taken him at six. You didn't want him. That's fine. I'm not saying that we made a bad choice. I'm not questioning the strategery that is Brad Holmes. All I said was, man, our password has been awful. And Jalen Carter has been good. That's it. I didn't say trade Jameer Gibbs. I didn't say he's a bum. I didn't yeah, say but, any of that stuff. But I but I call you on it and I call other people on it because you did the half and half take. We don't have half and half takes here where it's like, what would it be like with Jalen Carter? But I also love Jameer Gibbs because you're going to then, when Jameer Gibbs blows up, you're going to be like, I'm so glad we took Jameer Gibbs because he's a ball player. Like, you can't have it both ways. You either got to, like, stick with weapon. your guns. Get it right. Okay, he's a, he's a freaking weapon, so we don't need your big, slow, lazy defensive tackle that you didn't want, but then you wanted, and now you want him back, but you don't want him because Jimmy Gibbs is going to be good. We could do this all day. I have to- so many people tell me we should have done this until the other thing happens, and then they tell me they're happy with that. That's not a take. So, anyway, Chops, Lions, Atlanta, I need a score, I need a prediction. How's this going down? Uh, how about you go first? You let the people know since you're uh, smarter than all of us and better than Brad, Brad, uh, than Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. So you tell I, us I, what's the score going to be. I can't wait. All this, all this snark, all this ridiculousness from you today. Um, I'm glad to go first. This is a ball game. This is a bounce back game for the Detroit Lions. This is a show me game. This is a oh the Atlanta Falcons are going to. No, this is going to be it'd be a little bit of a back-and-forth offensive-type ball game, if you ask me. But I feel like the Lions are just going to kind of smoothly win this game. I feel like it's going to be, you know, I'm going to give the Lions 31. I'll come up with the Falcons at, like, 23. A nice, safe victory, not, like, biting nails to the end, not a scummy-looking game. Just a offensive show from Detroit some plays on defense, win the turnover battle, coast to a victory, and remind these guys from the ATL that you are the Atlanta Falcons. You're going to be picking high in the draft. I'm glad you had a couple nice wins. Your story's over. We're here to stay, and we're showing up for the people. That may have been the smartest thing you said this entire podcast. There you go. The final score will be 34-27 to 27 is what I've got. Any takes or it's just any? How's it going to go down? Or are you just going to drop the score? And that's. I mean, I gave, I gave the rundown. We're going to come in and we're going to. I think we're going to dictate the play. Like the, they're ready. To, the players are ready to go. They re- are ready to win at Ford Field. Um, you know, there's it's going to be a bit of a back and forth because they do have talent on both sides of the ball. 
Um, you know, their defense isn't anything to just say they're terrible. I mean, their yards allowed are, are pretty respectable right now, but, uh, but you know, it's still Ritter. So at some point <laughs> I expect him to make a bad mistake that costs them. Uh, and, uh, but again, I'm, ex- I'm super excited to see the uh, head to head between our, our two guys there at the running back and weapon position. I feel like they have two, maybe three defenders that I can name, and then a couple offensive pieces, which they all took in the top 10. So good luck with that. But uh, Choppy, it's been a little bit of a contentious show. We had a hell of a tailgate. We were hyped for that ball game. We had a great time, but we were frustrated. We were excited. We were fired up. We were sad. We talked all about it here on the pod. We teed up some of the tailgate craziness, tried to give some shouts throughout the show, talked about Atlanta, argued about a few things. Of course I'm right. That's how this show goes. Good luck to you next time when you try to tell me something that you know is wrong, but you try to say you're right. But I think we had fun. I think we entertained the people, and I think we uh, did what we always do, which is serve up that delicious Honolulu blue-flavored Kool-Aid for the people. You know what it is. I mean... It's uh, it's just time to uh, drink it in. Drink it in, man. Side of cornbread. Cornbread. Make it a double. Cornbread. Since I took a couple cheap shots, chops. You got anything before we get up out of here? All I gotta say is, show up to Ford Field on Sunday, baby. Woo! Because your lines will not disappoint you two weeks in a row. Let's go. Bring that noise, bring that passion, that grit, that excitement. It's only week three. We get a win. It's two, we're two and one, heading to Lambeau on Thursday night under the lights. Drink it in, everybody, and we'll catch you next week right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Okay, everybody, we're out. Drink it in, man.